Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about is a topic that I have been wanting to talk about for a very long time. Um, I think it is very a very interesting topic myself and I think you are all you all are in need of a discussion on this the deshi in this dojo and I think for posterity's sake even the larger Aikido world which you know I don't really care about is in need of this conversation and it's a conversation on how to navigate what, for lack of a better phrase, I will call the traditional teacher. We, I could have also used the phrase the true sensei. Could have said guru, that kind of person. I'll remind you of something that I have said in many podcasts up till now, that there is no need for a true sensei or a guru or traditional teacher when all you are after is an arbitrarily decided upon repetition of Kihon Waza. You don't need any teacher for that. You can get a video. You can get a book. You just need a friend. And you start practicing those techniques. You don't need a teacher for that. You don't need a teacher to gain associated certificates, but for political or social reasons, someone's got to give it to you, that certificate or that title or that rank. But for that certificate or title or rank, you don't need skill. You don't need to practice those techniques. You just need to hang out long enough. They're more about allegiance, affiliation, and attendance. Okay. But if you want to get good at the techniques, You don't need a teacher. The trick there is what the hell did I mean when I said get good at the technique? I mean, if you just want to do the techniques externally in controlled environments, you don't need a teacher. Your body will come to understand mechanical advantage, sound body mechanics, leverage, etc. Or you can do away with all that and just practice a choreography, some sort of dance or something like that. You don't need a teacher. One made-up dance is as good as any other made-up dance, so there's no need for any kind of authenticity or authority that would be bestowed upon you by a teacher. Just make up your own dance. The teacher, in the sense that I'm talking about, only becomes necessary when you're trying to learn I would say three things in particular. One, 
the internal aspects of the art. Not the Aiki and Kokyu that everybody who practices external Aikido calls Aiki and Kokyu. That is not it. You just made a dance up. That dance is as good as any other dance. Who cares? You're borrowing the terminology. Who cares? Get your certificates. Keep going. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about very specific internal aspects. They are not external. You need a teacher for that. Because without that teacher, you don't even know that they exist, so you don't even know that you're missing them. There's no way you will begin that hunt on your own. And if you did, you wouldn't know where to stop looking. Do you see? That's the important. You might think you know where to look, but you don't know where to stop looking. You need the teacher. You need the person who has gone before you, which is what sensei means, the person ahead of you to keep you from getting lost, to allow you to feel it so you come to know what you don't have. You need a teacher for that. You need a teacher because that is, it is very intangible. Because it's operating at the level of energy. You could watch all the videos you want. It won't get you there. You could read all the books you want. It won't get you there. Do you see, unlike what I had previously mentioned, just watch a video, read a book, you'll get it. But this other thing is very intangible. It could be explained to you, do you see? And you could understand it intellectually. It won't matter. You won't be able to do it. In short, when we come to intangible things, you're going to find, I need another human being. So another intangible thing, the second thing that you're going to, if you look after, is going to be the spontaneous expression of the art. This is not the forms themselves. The forms are tangible. This is the transcendence of form. That is an intangible thing. You'll need a teacher for that. Again, you could understand, for example, you could read on being in the zone, going with the flow. You could read the books. You could learn more forms. You could study with more external teachers and more external partners, and you will never get any closer to transcending form because it is an intangible thing. You need a teacher who's already transcended form for the same reasons. That teacher will help you stop looking in the wrong places. I mention it that way because these intangible things are not foolproof. What I mean by that is even if you have a teacher who can do the internal aspects, Indeed, you are better off than not having a teacher, but there's no guarantee that you will be able to do them. And likewise, a transcendence of a form, you are better off having a teacher who can actually transcend form. But there's no guarantee that you'll be able to do them under that teacher. That is how intangible these things are. In, in a very interrelated way, the third reason you'll need a teacher, very interrelated way to these first two aspects, you'll need a teacher 
to be able to develop a skill in reconciling the subject-object dichotomy. Again, we can explain it to you analytically. You can use your intellect. You can grasp what we're talking about. But you are no closer to being able to do it. And like the first two, it is so intangible, this third aspect, that though you are better off for having such a teacher, there is no guarantee that you will be able to develop that skill. None at all. For everything else, you don't need a teacher. I would even say, why bother calling that person a teacher? But because it doesn't matter what you call him, I don't care if you call him a teacher or you call him a sensei because it is, is irrelevant to achieving these three aspects. It doesn't matter. You're nowhere near. Call him whatever. Call him Lord God Emperor. You're not going to get these things. I think you have to understand this when you're trying to navigate the sensei-deshi relationship of this kind. You have to understand there's a whole bunch of people in existence right now that use that word sensei, use the word deshi, use the phrase sensei-deshi relationship but do not at all mean cultivate these three aspects. They don't mean that. They mean learn forms. You need to understand that, first thing. There's a whole bunch of people using the same language. And the second thing you have to understand is no matter that they're using the same language, they're not doing the same thing. It is irrelevant what they're calling it. So it doesn't matter that they use the same language. Next, once you accept that, go a little deeper. By what means does this sensei-deshi relationship bring to me that small glimmer of opportunity in cultivating these three skills? That's the question, you see. Why does it have to be a person? Well, we already established it's not going to be a language. There's no way. It's not going to be of your intellect. It will not lead to what we're doing. You just got to take that off the table. It doesn't do it. So then you go by default in your reasoning, then the teacher must be doing something else. Can you understand this process? It is not a defiance of reason or a defiance of logic. It is quite logical. But it is an acceptance that Understanding this logically is not going to get you any of those three aspects. Can you grasp that? As I, I can't get it through my intellect. My teacher is teaching me by other means. That is quite reasonable. But understanding that isn't going to gain you these three aspects, do you see? Your teacher is doing something else. Let's put this as one whole exhibit A. And we're going to put it onto the side and we will answer later what the teacher is doing. That was just exhibit A. Exhibit B. The practice of Budo is a practice of transformation. Again, it is not going to be a defiance of reason. 
that I'm going to do before you here, it is going to be reason-based. So, as a practice of transformation, this by default must mean that I am going to have an E, an A, moving towards a B using variables. Meaning, I come into the door as I start this journey, as I enter into this relationship with this teacher, your A value. We call you A. Do you understand? You're the value of A. And your point is to become non-A. Do you understand that? If you want to remain A, you got no business here. That is not what we do here. This is a system of transformation. So we can say the reason I'm here is that A becomes B or so that A becomes non-A. Can you understand this? That is what we do here. To assume otherwise is like going to the bank and ordering a hamburger from the teller. Do you get that? There's a kind of lunacy to that behavior because it is very unreasonable. The reasonable understanding is you come in the door, you're going to stop being you. That's what it means. At a bare minimum. We don't know if you'll reach B. But your aspirations are to at least be non-A. Otherwise, there's no point. There's no point. You're ordering hamburgers from the bank teller. Okay? There's a lot of times when we order hamburgers from the bank teller when we come into the dojo and not realizing I'm supposed to stop being me. We don't realize it, that we're doing it. And I'll give you a very common one. This is very common. We've been talking about it lately. And that is that you already know what Aikido is. And you already know what the sensei-deshi relationship is when you walked into the door. Well, that understanding was A. Do you grasp that? You had that when you walked in the door. So to really engage the sensei-deshi relationship, if that walked in the door with you, then you have to stop it and you have to let go of it. There is no way possible that what you walked in with is what we're doing here. And there's no way possible that what you walked in with is what you should be trying to walk out with because this is a system of transformation. This is Exhibit B. These two exhibits, what you see in them, this becomes very difficult, this relationship. Us moderns are very prone to figuring things out intellectually and to operate at a very superficial level, external, tangible things like forms and we're very very egocentric very prideful we are very unskilled at shoshin the beginner's mind we are very unskilled at faith we are very unskilled at humility 
And so we know what we know, and what we know is true simply because it is we who know it. Exhibit C, or is it three? C, Exhibit C. Exhibit C is this. It's about human nature itself. Exhibit C takes Exhibit A and Exhibit B and spoon-feeds it crack. Those two problems get huge. This is why it becomes very... Now, I don't want to, I want to go beyond saying there's no guarantee that you'll achieve those three aspects. I want to say this. It becomes very unlikely that you will achieve those three aspects because of Exhibit C. Exhibit C is this. The way our mind works it makes the order of the world. It forms patterns. They're all dichotomous space. And they are all architecturally designed to maintain our own status quo. Because of this, we will usurp all aspects of training to such a degree that transformation becomes impossible and the sensei-deshi relationship becomes impotent. We will engage in the sensei-deshi relationship as we will engage in all aspects of the transformative process in such a way that they only reinforce and reify who we are already. You do this through what we here ultimately called attachment to self. But you can go deeper. You do this through your fear and through your pride and through your ignorance. If you look at those skills I mentioned, Humility, faith, shoshin, beginner's mind. You're looking at an ultimate act of bravery. And we humans are cowards until trained otherwise. What happens to us is every aspect of training that has the potential to transform us, we put in the category of not good for us. Bad, negative. We'll go on depending on how ego attached, how much ego attachment we have. We'll name it worse things dangerous, risky, horrible, tyrannical, do you see? And now you break exhibit two or B, you're not going to transform. Stay how you are. You beg the question, though, why are you here? You want to stay the same, stay the same. You're already the same. It's the joke I tell you, you're already a black belt in you. No need to come here. We don't give black belts in you. You're already a grand master in you. Back to 
how does the sensei function as a tool of cultivation? Well, the sensei is going to be a locale of where you practice humility, beginner's mind, faith. Think of it as a field where you play baseball, you see? It's a field where you play baseball. The sensei is the field where you practice humility, shoshin, and faith. It's a game. It is like a game of baseball. It's not a political fealty. That's a thing of moderns. It is a game. It's a game that your mind cannot tell the difference, that it's not real. So it can be a game and it'll still function. But it's a game like all games that has rules. And the rules are the rules of the art itself. So let's look at the rules of the art itself. To simplify a very long and complex Japanese history, we will say Aikido is a type of jujitsu. As such, It is a practice in non-contestation. Its internal aspects of Aiki and Kokyu are a practice in non-contestation, but unlike the external arts of Jiu-Jitsu, Aikido as an internal art of Jiu-Jitsu has brought non-contestation to unimagined levels of practice. Nevertheless, it is a practice in non-contestation. When you come in into a place where you are to practice transformation, you are not to contest against the means of transformation. That again is ordering hamburgers from the bank teller. So what the teacher does in the game is just what uke does in the nage uke dynamic. The uke generates a conflict, a point of contention. Do you understand? And it is in the generating of that point of contention that Nage has the opportunity to begin practicing the art, to disengage from the point of contention, to non-contest, and to instead seek communion. The teacher does the same thing. Why does the teacher do the same thing? The same reason Uke does the same thing. Because you cannot yet non-contest. When you walk in the door and you have your understanding of Aikido, and you have your understanding of what training involves. Before you even did it. You are already in a state of contest. When you say, I need this art explained to me intellectually. After you've been told 
that will not do you any good. You're in a state of contest. And when you think that your teacher does not know when you walked in the door that you are in a state of contest, you're in a state of contest because your teacher knows. Your teacher knows that you're in a state of contest when your teacher tells you this is how many hours of sleep you need. Just the way you inhaled or did not inhale or how you moved your eyes or what happened to your shoulders. What are you saying? Even when you say, yes, sensei, your teacher knows you're in a state of contest. When you have your mood fluctuations, when you have your boredom, when you have your cowardice, when you won't push yourself, do you see? Or when you fail and you feel bad for yourself. This, these are all states of contest. If you want to learn the art of non-contestation, your uke has to first set up a contest. This is why choreographed Aikido is entirely impotent, both martially and spiritually, because there is no contest, do you see? It is the modern person's wet dream of the environment finally doing what they need. It is the ultimate safe space, do you see? The uke has to set up a contest so you learn how to non-contest. And the teacher does it over and over and over again. How do you know this is happening? Well, when the uke pushes on you, if you feel the uke pushes on you, you are in a state of contest. If you feel the teacher pressing on you, it could take any shape. It could be a little, mm, a little boo-boo lip. Mm, that's it. Anything like, you don't understand me. That's it. Not now. That's it. I'll try this. That's it. I'll go halfway. That's it, too. Do you see? I don't know what you want. That's it, too. Can you understand? If you don't feel anything, well, first of all, your teacher will know that you can non-contest, so your teacher will not push on you. You could almost inverse this logic in the same way that you feel pressed upon Let's just sum up all those ways. The same way that you feel pressed upon, you can inverse the logic and go, Sensei's going to press on me. And if Sensei's pressing on you, right, then you know you're not non-contesting. Like the uke who attempts to push on you, but you can commune with them in aiki, and there is no push, do you see? And you become one, and you join that uke in the oneness. And we can use all kinds of poetic expressions to identify or describe that state of experience. We can say there's no more division between uke and I. We can say uke and I are one. We cannot say anything. We can hold up a flower and smile. This is when you actually learn from the teacher. When you achieve aiki with the teacher. When you achieve aiki with the teacher... Like 
the so-called Aikido Deshi, who is only studying external forms, like that person does not need a teacher. When you can achieve Aiki with the teacher, you don't need a teacher. You don't need a teacher because you don't have a teacher. Because there's no difference between you and the teacher or you and the teaching. If I was you then, just the same way as Uke pushes on you, I ask you to make a problem of that and to understand that that pressure that you're feeling is your creation because you cannot stop contesting. I ask you to make a problem out of the pressure you feel from your teacher. There's no pressure. You're pushing back. You're pushing back like you were when you walked in here. You just haven't learned to stop doing it. And I would point out to you that these conflict models that we set up in Kihon Waza, they're not dangerous. They're very tame. They're nowhere near real violence. And we're not doing them even close to that speed or with that intensity, do you see? We're not. But your fear-filled mind does experience it as risky and dangerous, as threatening, do you see? But there's no real risk. You're not fighting for your life out on the street trying to arrest someone. Wake up. Well, I'll tell you the same thing. Pay attention. The pressure you feel from the teacher, which is of your own creation, is not really risky or dangerous or anything else. Pay attention. What was really said to you? You should sleep more. Ow! I don't think you ate enough calories. You couldn't finish class without getting dizzy. Try adding an egg to your lunch. Oh, you fucker. If you pay attention, every time you press back on the teacher, we'll go back to exhibit B, you're only fighting for who you walked in as. And who you walked in as is always a lesser you because the assumption of a system of transformation is not really non-A. Do you see that? Because negative A is non-A, do you see? We mean transformation in a positive sense. So when we resist the system of transformation, we're actually resisting our better use. So you're actually fighting for, arguing for, struggling for, pushing for the lesser you. It's not just you. It's the lesser you. When something is scaring you and you disengage, from this thing that is not really terrifying, though the mind does experience it as such. When you disengage from the thing that is scaring you, from the event, from the training, from the moment, you're opting for a lesser you, a cowardly you. You have forfeited the opportunity to be a better you a braver you, a stronger you, a more centered you. When you come into Budo and you come into this dojo, this is how we understand it. I say we because you walked in. 
You walked in here. This garden did not go place itself under your feet. You walked into this garden. And that is what we grow here. If you're in here, this is your understanding too. This garden stays here. You can always leave. It is such a possibility open to you that you can always leave. That you can actually walk in and not truly be here. That is more our problem as Deshi. That I can be here, but not really be here. Meaning, I can walk in that door and resist and fight and put all my energy into remaining exactly who I was when I walked into the door. That's the true big problem. Not this scary thing of getting another hour of sleep, eating an egg, problematizing my mood swings. Do you see? If this door had a bar on it and you could not walk out, I could understand that you might be facing some risk, but you're not. We have gone further here. We've gone further here in that I don't have anything for you. There's nothing but those three things. That's it. I don't have a title for you. I don't have a rank. You're not going to be able to capitalize upon even being my deshi outside of those three things because you're going to go and start some seminar circuit. There's nothing here for you. There's only what you gain for yourself, through yourself, by this means that I gave you. I've done that to help you. Because the way the ego is, it is so sure that you're a very big prize and that I need to catch you. Like you're the big fish in the sea. Do you get it? And if I could just get you and I could mount you on the wall over my fireplace, everyone would know what a great teacher I am. And I would feel great about myself because I caught that fish. I have the opposite view. You're not shit to me. You're not my big prize. And so I don't have anything to give you or to take from you. I don't want you entering into a power struggle with me because we're here to practice the art of non-contestation. Would that not be the exact opposite? So I don't have any prizes for you to win. And I don't have anything to lose either. This is where you struggle with me. Because I'm doing the art. If I don't contest Uke, I cannot lose to Uke. And while you contest against me, I do not contest against you. And you cannot win. And that'll drive you nuts. Everything will feel one-sided and out of your control and all of this kind of bullshit. But you forgot the door is open. 
Nothing and no one is holding you here. You're just feeling the after effects of your contestation hitting the void, the same way that Uke does when they hit the void in the technique. You all know how scary as fuck that one little fraction of a second is. It happens in this relationship because I'm practicing the art. You'll walk out and that'll be it. In truth, and I'll be honest, I'm always more relieved. That sounds terrible, but we're here to be honest. It is more relieving because it's less work. But you can come back. And some of you have. You can walk out and you can come back. A lot of you haven't, though, because that takes some balls. You, what happens is, is you realize out there, hmm, I didn't really achieve anything by walking out, uh, and uh, I just seem to have lost a lot. And so you build up enough bravery and enough faith to come back, and you come back, and you always want to say sorry, and I always go, I don't, let's, let's get back to work. Because your apology is not a prize to me. Just get back to work. So traditional teachers or true senseis, I'm going to tell you up front, they're motherfuckers. But we make them so. It's true they make themselves so, but because we're the ones pushing on them, we allow them to be so. The teacher who is not a motherfucker, and you can go past this, you too, it's the same thing. The teacher with whom you are very comfortable, do you see, is not a teacher because you're only comfortable with how you are now. You're only comfortable with, with what is already in your comfort zone, meaning you're only comfortable with what already speaks to you, how you understand the world, with who you are, with your identity. Do you understand? That is only what is comfortable. So the teacher with whom which you are comfortable is no teacher because that teacher offers no opportunity for transformation. You're going to remain A. There's all kinds of ways that the Budo teacher is uncomfortable. They are in these ways that I have mentioned. Eat this egg, go to sleep, watch your mood swings, etc. But there's other ways too. And they do range from this kind of nuisance, I would call, call it, to dangerous because Budo uses human versus human violence as its main technology for reconciling fear. So your teacher is dangerous. The teacher is not dangerous as no teacher at all. I just sum that all up into the perfect word. There's never been a better word as motherfucker. You get it? The person outside of my comfort zone. Always. Because I got a comfort zone. Because I have an ego. Because I got a static identity that I continually reinforce, reinforce over and over by pattering the world and my experience of the world so that I continue to reify my ego. The person who doesn't let me do that is a motherfucker. That's a teacher.
In the same way that the teacher is practicing the art, do you see? Setting up a contestation, giving you an opportunity and lessons and micro drills by which to gain the skill of non-contestation. In that same way, the teacher is doing the practice. You should do the practice too. You should yield. First, yin. Aiki, communion, kokyu, the internal aspects of the art, are based first in the yin yielding. If I take your energy into my body and project it down to the ground, that taking in of the energy is a yin yielding, do you see? This is the very foundation of the art. Because the internal aspects are the foundation of the art. Of course, you don't know this if you're an external Aikido practitioner. And Aikido, there has to be an air quotes, doesn't it? Because it's not Aikido. Now, think about it. In your Kihonwaza, when Uke pushes, that yin yielding is terrifying, is it not? And you will not do it. You will continue to yang. And through that yang, you go ahead and you begin and continue to practice contestation. And now you have a clash, do you see? And now you're not doing the art. There is no point in doing the art for the art's sake. It's just the fact that the art is awakening itself. Well, think about it. The teacher's pressing on you, so you feel because you're pushing back on the teacher. Yin, yield. Receive, receive. This is what we mean by faith and shoshin and humility. It is a yin yielding of the spirit. You think, for example, in Kihonwaza, when Uke pushes and you yin yield, you think we mean shift your weight to the rear. You know how to do that, but you're still in a clash because we don't just mean that. Inside of that shifting your weight to the rear or a step off the line of attack, etc., in order for that to actually been a, be a yin yielding, there has to be the spiritual yin yielding. You have to first open up and receive. Otherwise, you will be in that physical clash with that uke. Well, here in the sensei-deshi relationship, it's just a concentric manifestation of the very art itself, meaning it is nothing more than awakening itself. You have to yin yield. You have to open up. That is what shoshin means. You have to become a vessel. You have to be the receiver. If you go back and you look at exhibit A, B, and C, you can just define it all as you're very closed. You're not a vessel. You cannot receive anything. When I gained permission to then start Sension Center as a Federation Dojo under my teacher, I asked my teacher for advice. I said, Sensei, what should I do? What should I focus in on? He gave me two tips and two tips only. He said, never lose Shoshin. This is what I just told you. And he said, never give up faith. Oh, there's that word again. In your deshi. That's kind of circular when you think about it now. One is the other. When I was in college studying my PhD, 
I had a traditional mentor, not a teacher. And in college, in the university, you're always trying to debate and argue and show how smart you are. I hated this guy's class, but I was attracted to his classes because I never met <clears throat> and have not met anyone else, whether I watch YouTube videos all day or not. <coughs> Excuse me. I've never met anyone even close to as intelligent as this man. Not even close. This man, is, his name is Alan Grappar. If you get the chance, you should read everything by him if you want to see real scholarship. People would come to his classes. They wouldn't register for the class because he was the big fish. Do you see? He was the big fish. I'm going to go to his class. I'm going to get in these intellectual debates with him. And they were always ridiculous. It was worse than Ahab and Moby Dick, do you see? He's like, you, no, no, you don't have a chance. So at first I was attracted to this. I'm going to go and get in this contest. But you get your ass whooped so many effing times, do you see, that eventually you're like, God, I got to go. But man, I don't want to talk because I'm going to get a slap down in front of everybody else that is here trying to not get a slap down who also got a slap down you see because the culture's making you do that but he had this personality he couldn't stand people that would come into his classes that did not take his field seriously so he enjoyed dishing out the slap downs so if you were not going to ask questions or challenge him, he would call on you to challenge you. So you wanted to just listen, and he would go, what do you think? He'd come stand right by your desk, right? And these desks were those little tiny desks where they're the individual desks, right? And you're trapped in that seat where you got this little, only about a paper, legal size or eight, eight and a half by 11 desktop space. You know those crazy things. And he's sitting so close, his belly's on your desk in part, right? And you can't really look up all the way because it'll hurt your neck. You can only kind of look up and you see his shirt. And he won't leave. He's just standing there that close. He already asked the question, what do you think? And he'll just sit there. And I know as a detective in law enforcement, we call this in law enforcement the awkward pause. And what you do is if you want to get the confession, you learn to get comfortable with the awkward pause, do you see? So you're talking to the suspect in your case, and you go, wow, that is really unusual. Like they gave you some answer. Like, why were you, you know, an ex at this time? And they'll give you some answer. And then instead of going, that doesn't make sense, and here's why it doesn't make sense, you just go, whoa. You could just stop there if you're a true master, do you see? It had enough intonation where the person knows this cop does not believe what I'm saying. And you just hang there. You can even look at them. We do tricks. We're going to look at your eyebrows. But to you, it'll look like we're looking at your eyes. And it'll look like this very awkward eye contact, right? And you try to hold a straight face, and you just let this thing drag on and on. And that person feels totally pressured to fill the gap. And this is how you get your confessions, do you see? So that's what he would do. What do you think? And he's awkwardly close with his belly hanging out on your desk. You can't scribble or write little doodles or notes like you're thinking, do you see? And he's not leaving. And guess where everyone else's eyes are? 
They're on you, and guess what? You feel it. Do you see that? You're going to answer. You got it? And you don't have an answer, so you get the slap down, the slap down you deserve. Okay? So I used to hate his classes. Do you get? But I loved them too, because you learned a lot. And I was like, this class is torturous. Mm, I gotta go, but mm, I'm gonna get slapped down. That's how a lot of you are in the dojo. You're like, that guy shows some pretty cool shit, and I got to go. But you've experienced it all as a slap down. You know when I freed myself from the slap down of that professor? It's when I said, I didn't come to the university to get this big fish. I didn't come to the university or his class to try to be smarter than him. I came here so that I can one day be as smart as him. Why don't I stop coming here and trying to challenge this man and instead make myself a vessel? Yin yield. Receive what he's saying. You know what? Come to the class and just be quiet. Just listen. Just try to learn. Take everything, including the things I do not understand at all, and work backwards from there. Let them be right. And then figure out why this genius landed on there. After I did that, the classes were pleasurable because I participated in viewing the slapdowns. I was no longer at risk of one, do you see? If he ever came over and he would say, what do you think? I would just say, I don't know. I don't have an opinion yet on this because I haven't read any of this stuff. And I would ask back a question. Professor, what would be a good book to read on this? And he would go in back to his briefcase. I remember the first time he did this. Back to his briefcase on his desk, so his belly left my table. Do you see? And guess where the eyes went? All the eyes followed him. What is he going to do? He goes back. He gets a book out of his briefcase, and he goes, you can have this. Do you see? I'm a vessel, and I received, and I took it. And then he knew I was a vessel, and he poured all of this information in. And eventually, I could handle the slapdown and give the slapdown back. And I remember the day I did it. You see, because for years, I think I started studying religiously under him in 88. 88. And it was somewhere around 98. Ten years I studied with him, just being quiet and doing what he said, reading what he said, understanding what he said. Even going through this phase, right? As I write my master's thesis, and I told you all this, he pulls it out, puts it on his desk, gets a red pen out, and he starts going by word by word down the sentence and saying, define this word. It was like culture, what is that? Institution, what is that? Practice, what is that? Discourse, what is that? Religion, what is that? Do you see? Zen, what is that? History, what is that? Every single word, I cannot tell you how many weeks that took, okay? Can you imagine? You're like, it's English, dude, just read it. No, but he was a traditional mentor, do you see? And these are all specialized words, and I'm telling you, most scholars have no idea what they mean. Just like most Aikido practitioners have no idea what Aiki and Kokyu mean. They don't know. They just mix and match the words. 
In the end, I was so grateful for that. So it comes later. We're at some seminar. People are giving their views. And he says something. And I raised my hand. And I said, uh, this term that you're using is actually oxymoronic. All he heard was moronic. <laughs> oxymoronic means like jumbo shrimp, pro surfer. These are <laughs> contradictory terms put together, okay? And he looks at me, because I wasn't sitting by him, I was down the row, right? And he looks at me, and he's all, oxymoronic? And he did that awkward pause. And I looked back, and I said, oxymoronic. <laughs> and he got such a kick out of it, do you see? We go out later, we meet as we're walking out of the door, and he gives me this little mm, 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 and then a big squeeze hug. Do you see? This is a traditional teacher. He could see my point. And I was able, through his teachings, able to make that point. And it made his scholarship better in the end. But there would have been none of my scholarship without him. Okay? But even with him, there would have been none if I had not yin yielded and received and stopped competing and stopped contesting and accept and start from faith and to stop reacting in fear. This concludes this episode of Budo the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit sentiencenter.com. S E N S H I N C E N T E R.com. Or find us at Facebook at Sension Center and on our YouTube channel at Sension One. Thank you for listening.